0: look in the mirror. Are you happy with what you see? If not, find a dream, figure out how to give it some wings and make it real. Your audience is younger rather than older. This is the time to make shit happen. This is the time. Right now. Go make it happen. Find that hurdle.
1: And conquer it. Conquer it. (laughs) Everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 164 of Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am talking to the one, the only, Bob Abadi, aka my dad. I'm bringing my dad on the show in honor of Father's Day yesterday. You know, it was really special for me to interview my mom a few weeks back, and so I felt like it was only appropriate to get dad behind the mic. We talk about everything from his proudest and scariest moments as a father to his best advice for me as I continue to grow my business. And it's cool because you really get some insight into where I got this entrepreneurial bug from. My dad, aside from being my best friend, has been one himself since college, an entrepreneur, when he opened up his first audio equipment store and then after that, multiple marketing agencies. I am so grateful for him in my life. And I know that for some Father's Day and Mother's Day can be definitely difficult times. So I am happy to share him and his wisdom and his insights and his humor, although it might be oh, such dad humor <laughs> at times. I'm, I'm so happy to share him with you. Uh, and thank you for allowing me to. Before we get into it today, last week I announced the newest pick for the Hurdle Book Club, and that is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I'm putting a link to buy the book in the show notes, but we are going to be meeting and save this date on Monday, July 19th. I'll be sending a registration link out shortly after July 4th, so stay tuned for that, but make sure you grab the book. Read it on the beach, read it on the deck, read it wherever you want, but get into it because we're going to chat about it on, again, July 19th. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Bob Body, better known to my followers as Bam Bam Bob, better known to me as Dad. Hey, Dad.
0: I like Dad the best. I am. Thanks for having me today. Happy Father's Day.
1: Happy Father's Day. So this episode is coming out on the day after Father's Day on Monday, Father's Day Monday. I felt that it was only appropriate that you finally make your debut on the show. The show has been thriving for over three years now. And it's hard to believe that the hurdlers have not had a proper Baba Body appearance.
0: How did we let this happen? I mean, we've had some uh, some shared experiences on Pizza Friday videos and things like that, but never on the actual Hurdle Podcast.
1: Well, here we are on Hurdle Podcast. How are you doing today, Bob? Doing good, Emily. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Getting back into the swing of things after this little trip to Miami. I prepped my voice for this conversation because it was a little harsh. I bought a vocal humidifier.
0: How's that working out for you?
1: You know, so it says that you're supposed to use it for 15 minutes at a time. Breathing in like to a humidifier on your face for 15 minutes is an aggressive proposition. I think I did it for like about eight, but it, it felt good. My voice feels better. Good.
0: Your voice sounds good today.
1: Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. So, I mean, there are so many different jumping off points That we could leap from here. But I think what I learned from interviewing mom was that I wanted to have more of a structure and some specific questions to ask you rather than to just a la hurdle, have you walk me through and us through your entire life story. But I'd be remiss if we didn't kind of start there a little bit. So, do you have an earliest memory? Of growing up,
0: yeah, I mean, I remember uh, family vacations that uh, Grandma and Grandpa and uh, me and and uh, my sister, your aunt Judy, uh, would take. And every summer we would do a two week vacation somewhere. Um, in some cases, it was on the east end of Long Island in the Hamptons, and in other cases, it was up in up in the mountains, which would be the Poconos or the Catskills. And we would go away with friends, uh, you know, the adults and the and the kids, and have a just a, a really, really great time.
1: You and your sister and Judy, you guys were close growing up. Yeah.
0: Yes. We were best buds.
1: What did you, when you had uh and spoiler alert, I mean, I've talked about my family, which consists of my father, my mother and my brother before in the show, but when you had two children and they were a son and a daughter, did you have hopes that Matt and I would be just as close as you and your sister?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think having, you know, having a boy and a girl or a girl and a boy, um, it's kind of like, you know, the icing on the cake. You want to have one to beach or most people I think want to have one to beach and, uh, you know, we scored, so, yeah, <laughs> we got two great ones.
1: Two great ones. Okay. So you remember traveling with your family growing up and then fast forward a bit. I'm not going to bring us through the, you know the complete history of Bob Body's childhood, but you ultimately, many years later, 18 years later, decide to go to SUNY Oswego. And what mm-hmm. do you study at SUNY Oswego?
0: Cold weather survival. I <laughs> uh, studied uh, business and marketing at SUNY Oswego.
1: And when you were at SUNY, what did you go to college thinking that you wanted to do?
0: I, I always had this entrepreneurial bug in me. You know, I watched... Uh, grandpa start businesses. And I watched grandma uh, as a professional woman and was exposed to a lot of the garment industry. So I kind of thought about going into that. But ultimately, I gravitated to what my kind of my hobby and my interests were, which was kind of audio and video. And while I was in college, I was working in a, an audio video store on Long Island and then in, in New York City. And when I got out of school, even when I, when I was in school, I, I wrote a term paper on how I would uh, do a retail audio video, kind of a consumer electronics business. And ultimately, after graduating, I was able to make that really happened.
1: A couple of things to make note of here. First of all, SUNY reference of cold, cold weather survival. This university was in Northern upstate New York. On Lake Ontario. And secondly, my question to follow up with that about starting a consumer electronics business is when you began that business, how did you even know how to source this product to sell to consumers?
0: I learned how to do that by working for someone else. I had two friends who were also in the business. We were working for a company that had three stores. We were the three managers. And we got together one day, as we often did after work, to grab a bite to eat at a diner and said, hey, we should do this for ourselves. Why don't we meet back here in about a year, save X dollars and uh we'll talk about starting the business so we did that we each saved and scrimped and borrowed and stole and whatever we had to do to raise the money and then we started our own business so we to circle back to your question we learned how to do that by doing it for someone else and watching others do it and we learned from some pretty smart guys
1: all right, so then I mean you saved up money, you learned a lot from your past experiences, you started your own store which was called Sounds Alive. In this process, did you find that you liked being an entrepreneur as much as you thought that you would?
0: Yeah, I really dug it. You know, we got I got to do a lot of things in that business that I always wanted to do. And some of that, you know, besides being surrounded by really really cool audio and video equipment, each of the partners had a had a role in my part. My role was advertising. So it was my job to get people in. And So I learned how to place media buys, how to negotiate with radio stations, back then newspapers. There was no Google. So it really gave me a good firm foundation in, in what I needed to know. And then eventually, I'll do the transition for you. Eventually, I uh, got out of that business and started an ad agency. Not this one, but another one and applied the skills that I learned in retail in New York City to that advertising agency.
1: Did you like being uh, a little more removed from what I would say to be like customer-facing sales and being a little bit more like in the desk office environment?
0: That's a good question. And to this day, I miss the retail part of it. You know, there's a big difference. in what I do now, and for those who don't know, I run an advertising agency called BAM. For
1: those who don't know.
0: Because yeah, a lot of you do know. So where was I going?
1: For those that don't know, you run a marketing agency today called BAM.
0: So today I run a, I run a, a, an advertising agency. And in this business, my team has to go out and solicit business for the most part. There is some inbound, but most of it is outbound. We get the conversation started and kind of sell it through with great content. In retail, customers come to you. They walk into your store. They're, they They come in to see you. And to this day, I miss that. It's no surprise that some of our clients, some of our good clients, are retailers, and the skills that I I picked up as a retailer come in handy now, especially when relating to those clients and, and having intelligent conversations about what it takes to run a good retail operation.
1: Because you're such a social person very different pivot here for a moment, but I would imagine that the past year, if you, I mean, if you're saying that you missed working in retail and having the opportunity to engage directly with the consumer, I would imagine that the past year pivoting from being in office to then working from home and like really missing out on that person to person interaction was a true con for the business and for you.
0: You know, for, it's interesting how the dynamics worked during COVID that we have some clients who like shut down and our communication with them was a hundred percent virtual. And we have other clients that said, you know, they kind of shared our view that, you know, let's continue to get together and be careful and, and do those agency client meetings um, and, and move and keep moving forward. Um, God bless them. These are these are clients that said, you know, we have sales quotas that we have to meet. And just because there's a virus out there, it doesn't mean that we don't have to hit them. So I I really admire those clients and respect and appreciate the fact that they um, found ways to do business through the pandemic, not only with us, but with their customers and in the retail environment. It was tough to do. But the clients that I'm thinking of were deemed as essential businesses, and therefore uh, we worked with them to find ways to keep doing business.
1: Did you have a mentor growing up?
0: I had lots of mentors growing up. My father, certainly. My mother and my father were my biggest influences and my biggest mentors. They taught me not only personally how to be a good man and a, and a great father, but they taught me a lot about business and about the economy and about I don't know, politics, what's right and wrong and and how to do good.
1: How to do good. Would you say that when you think about the lessons that your parents instilled in you, that doing good would probably be one of the biggest?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was grandpa's thing, do good. And my dad, he was a, a woodworker as a, a hobby and then professionally. And the way he worked with wood was a life lesson that you started with great raw materials and you measured twice and cut once and you never skipped the prep step and you took the time to apply the finish the right way. So, you know, that's inspiring and, and has always served as uh, a model for me in, in, in life.
1: It's crazy. I was just thinking about how awesome it would have been for him to like come and see where I live now. I've never really thought about that before, but just this idea. I mean, how different was life when grandpa was alive, right? Like life for all of us was just in such a different place.
0: Oh, it was, it was a very different place. And it's interesting that uh, you live in Brooklyn now and grandma and grandpa grew up in Brooklyn. And I was fortunate to be able to get the two of them in a car and do this kind of back to Brooklyn tour, I guess about, I don't know, 13 years ago and go around Brooklyn and see the place where they met and the house that they grew up in, uh, that each of them grew up in and where the family, kind of the family was based out of. If dad was around today, he'd get a real kick out of seeing where you live. I know your grandmother is dying to get
1: there. (laughs) She was the one who was like, are you near BAM? I was like, wow, grandma knows my neighborhood better than I do.
0: Yeah, yeah. She knows Brooklyn very well.
1: (laughs) Well, we have to go on this back to Brooklyn tour so that I can figure out where all of the roots are. I remember once grandma and I did come into Brooklyn and did some of that, but I think I was a little too young to like truly appreciate where we were. And now that I know much more about you know, the area, although we'll be investigating it for many, many years to come, it would be like the best thing to do again.
0: Yeah, that'd be a real kick.
1: We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. So back to you and your story a little bit. So you mentioned starting your own agency previous to BAM Now. What happened in between starting that agency and where you ended up in your career at this point?
0: Okay. The roadmap was, we had that agency, it was named Media Concepts, and it, we were an agency for small businesses, mostly. Did a lot of media work. We, we bought a lot of TV and radio and cable and newspapers and magazines and things like that. One of the guys who I respected a lot that was running radio stations kept making a run at me to come work f- for that company, and eventually the numbers made sense. So I sold that company and went to work for a company that owned radio stations. Wound up running radio stations for seven years. During that seven years, I got bought bought and sold about five times. And at a certain point, you know, you feel like a commodity. And I also missed being an entrepreneur. So I started uh, Baba Body Marketing.
1: Wow. About,
0: it was uh, a long time ago, 23 years ago, I think.
1: Wow. Well. As you said, you got your entrepreneurial interests from your parent. What would would you say early on was something you didn't expect about being an entrepreneur?
0: You know, I I think if you own the company, at least my philosophy is, you know, in an agency, you have clients and you do work for them. But in addition to all those wonderful clients that, that the agency has, I have five clients. I have myself and the people who work for me. And as an agency owner, I feel that I'm responsible for their mortgages and they're putting their kids through school and providing health insurance for them and security. And, you know, that was a real challenge last year that there were many, many sleepless nights when we fig- tried to, f- when I tried to figure out, you know, how we're going to make it through the next day. But what I didn't expect is how tied I, I am to my staff and to our family. We call them the family, the Bammers. And the family is truly uh, a family. But during COVID, it was rough. I had many sleepless nights worrying about how uh, we we're going to keep the company together and kind of keep the band together. And we did it. You know, we're here we are a year and change later and we're still standing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a testament, again, to your upbringing, right? And to who you are. I am sure having unfortunately dealt with some, and I'm sure that you have as well, that not every single entrepreneur is going to come at their business with the same amount of compassion and thought and care. Uh, Some people, you know, attack business with a more removed point of view. And I, although know that sometimes you have to do that, I, when it comes to people and relationships, that's not in my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think you probably understand, as I do, that when you are an entrepreneur and you own a company, your name—whether your name is in, in the name of the company or not—your name is "quote unquote" on the door, and the product that you turn out reflects on you. Hurdle is an incredible product, and you—you are—you should be proud of of what you're putting out there, and I feel the same way about the work that my agency does for our clients that if it's not great work, we're not, we're not letting it go. We're not sending it to the media. We're not going to share it with the client. We make sure we do great work. Just like grandpa was, he would never put a product out that didn't have a flawless finish on it. We're not turning out content here that isn't, isn't buffed and shined up and ready for uh, prime time.
1: Prime time. Okay. So you transitioned into starting your own media company and at this time you said 23 years ago i'm 33 i was 10 years old talk to me about what it was like to have a 10 year old daughter and a 14 year old son while starting your arguably hope to be forever big business
0: listen there were many many times that mom and i looked at each other and i would and, and we would say are you effing crazy? You have what? You have no clients. You know, we I have a couple of clients I brought with me from radio, but it was a real crapshoot. You know, you just kind of roll in the dice and see what happens. I, I mean, I had a background in marketing. I ran another agency, but I wanted to do something bigger and better. I wanted to do something that was more than just me at a desk. So it was, it was wild, man. It was, but if you don't, if you don't roll the dice, you never know, you know, being an entrepreneur means failing sometime. And that was okay with me. I don't know if it was okay with mom, but it was okay with me. And if I failed, I would do something else. I knew I had skills that were kind of portable. I was getting calls from other people who wanted me to come work for them at that time. And I just wanted to build something.
1: I'll never forget that when I started freelancing, I thought to myself, well, if I can't make enough money doing this, then I'm just going to start like working the front desk at some sort of a fitness studio and it'll be fine. And at this time, this is like at the very beginning and both, I believe actually both you and mom said to me, well, if you want to come live back at home for a little while. And I was like, this is not, this is a non-option, non-starter. I will work 16 jobs before I pack my stuff up and move back. To Connecticut. Like I wasn't moving back in. But to your story here, what's interesting to me is that. I was a freelance writer when I started Hurdle and didn't rely at that point or even think at that point that Hurdle would become some sort of a viable way to sustain my life and like a career to the extent that it is now. When you went on your own, like you weren't side hustling blah Body Marketing, like you just kind of jumped in. So from my POV, that is just it's hella scary.
0: Well, you know, we jumped into the deep end too. (laughs) So, you know, there was no life jacket and uh, no no floaties on our arms. So yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it, you know, just, just jump in and, and there was no safety net, but I think, you know, you hearing mom and I say, well, you could always move back home is a motivational tool, isn't it? (laughs) And, and, and not having a A paycheck every week being cut by someone else is a motivational tool, isn't it? It's the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At this point, I wanted to be a journalist and I also was going into college thinking that I would major in political science. What did you envision would be like where I was going at that point?
0: I just want, I always wanted you and your brother to do what you wanted to do, not what would. Uh, provide the highest income or anything else. And and when you were in middle school, you wanted to live in Manhattan and work for a magazine. So what did you do? You went to college. You, first of all, in high school, you were writing for a, a yearbook and newspaper. In college, you were writing for the newspaper. And then you started interning and you got out of college and you found a way to live in Manhattan and write for a magazine. So that's all, that's all I ever wanted for you. Yeah. You know, same thing for your brother. He kind of knew the path and he followed it. And that's really the best you can hope for your kids. And as a father and, and, and as a mother too, to, you know, hope your, hope your kids are happy in, in whatever career path that they choose and at least speaking professionally.
1: Moment from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor over at Daily Harvest. When the weather gets warmer, the last thing that I want to be doing on the regular is constantly slaving away over a hot stove. But I also don't want to be ordering takeout for every meal, which is why I am obsessed with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is delicious food all built on whole organic fruits and vegetables that conveniently stays fresh in your freezer. So it's ready when you are. It takes minutes to prepare, and I love knowing that the food I'm eating is actually good for me. I personally will be beating the summer heat with their mango and papaya smoothie that is so refreshing. And if that's not your jam, not to worry. They have tons of other delicious options like strawberry peach, mink cacao, passion fruit, and greens. The list goes on. Stay cool, calm, and collected in the summer heat. Head on over to dailyharvest.com and enter code HURTLE25 to get $25 off your first box. I literally just re-upped my stock and my freezer is bopping. <laughs> Again, that is code HURDLE25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. Also, gotta give some love to my friends at Gooder. Gooder is all about creating fun, fashionable, and functional sunglasses that everyone can afford. And if there is a time to re up on your go to pair of shades, it is right now. Whether you're running, biking, or as they like to say, beasting, <laughs> Gooder sunglasses are sure to provide you with a no slip, no bounce, all polarized, fun experience. Plus, their styles start at just $25. No need to go to a store to find your perfect pair. You can try on any pair of Gooders from the comfort of your own home through their virtual try-on feature on the website. Of course, they've got a special offer for the Hurdle community. Head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash hurdle. And use code hurdle15 for 15% off of your order today. Get yourself a pair of Gooders. Trust me, you won't regret it. I would say now that you and I are like you're my best friend, right? I hit you up when I'm doing everything from like negotiating a contract to inebriated with one of my best friends in a hotel in Spain. And when do you think <laughs> that was a <the>
0: fun call? <laughs>
1: when uh let's just say this about that call i could have called anyone inebriated in spain at 11 p.m but instead i chose to be at the hotel bar not gallivanting around spain but just in the hotel bar calling my dad
0: i i remember i was in bed i remember everything about that moment who was oh, that man. emily uh, she's totally inebriated and <laughs> he's on the other side of the ocean oh okay good night. <laughs>
1: Okay, cool. Well, when do you think that, when do you think our relationship evolved from like the just father-daughter stuff to like being more friends?
0: I mean, part of that is the adult child thing that transitions to the adult, adult, adult thing, adult, adult thing. But I mean, you know, we look back at, let's look, you know, I keep going back to last year because it was such a pivotal hurdle that we all had to get over. And I, I don't, think there were too many days that we didn't talk multiple times. And it wasn't, me you know, part of it is, is always the parental thing where, you know, I just sent you 150 masks and six gallons of hand sanitizer. And I scored some Lysol wipes at Costco. So I, I UPS those to you. But part of it is just, you know, us relating as friends. And I think it was kind of reinforced last year, but it's something that's kind of grown senior year, high school, or when you were away at college?
1: I think also, especially as I started to make bigger decisions in my career, it had to get to a point where it couldn't just be surface level shit, right? Like I needed your real opinion on things like numbers and changing opportunities. And sometimes in life, and this is where I think you find the best relationships, whether it's with your family or with your friends, really, you need someone just to give it to you straight. And I'm very lucky that I found that opportunity within both of my parents,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of non-judgmental to a certain extent. I think it's, it would be handy for every kid to have a dad who's a business business guy and a marketing guy. You know,
1: imagine <laughs> doing your own homework or anything. Yeah,
0: I mean, you and I can talk content creation and you know, and tax strategies and shit like that.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, Dad is also sitting at his computer with a ring light. That if I release any of this video footage, you'll see just a hint of the glare of it. So. I moved to New York. Do you have any, what are your worries about that for me?
0: Nothing. Just wondering when you're going to move back to Connecticut.
1: (laughs) Dad is anxiously waiting for the moment where I tell him that I'm going to stop spending the exorbitant amount of money I spend to rent a home in Brooklyn and move back to uh, Connecticut and invest that in a home.
0: Financially, this is just like the worst thing. You know, you need to to invest in a home. Just think of that, that, that mortgage interest deduction you're missing. It's no, coming. I understand why you're in why you're in the city. I'm totally psyched about this new apartment. Uh, it's beautiful. I love the location and wish you nothing but happiness there.
1: Thank you so much. But when I now, first now moved in. Come into back, the city. Come
0: back home, held back home to Connecticut. Come on.
1: <laughs> when I first moved in, though, you didn't have any qualms or hesitations about my choice? No. No.
0: If I did, I wouldn't have helped you move all those times. Facts. Understand something. You were moving into Manhattan and your brother was in law enforcement. Yeah. What did I lose sleep over?
1: <laughs> I want to say it was like maybe 2016 when mm-hmm. I got mugged on mm-hmm. the Upper East Side. What does a parent even think about when their kid calls them and tells them that?
0: Getting in the car and driving to help you. Yeah. You know, you got mugged and you were worried about you. But also you were worried about calming me down and I guess mom down too. So you were you made, you made the best of a bad situation. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt that, okay, we now we got that out of our system. Now we'll be safe.
1: You know? Now we'll be safe. Hopefully nothing like that is going to happen to us all again. I'm going to bring this back to some of the questions that I had prepared for you, sir. What would you say has been one of the best lessons that you have learned as a father?
0: When you become a father, you leave the hospital, they hand you a baby. They don't hand you an owner's manual or an instruction book. You just have to go home and figure shit out. And you learn lots of lessons. You learn how nothing that happened before matters. It's all a clean start. And all of a sudden you have this little being that is totally reliant on you for everything. So the lesson is stuff doesn't matter, things that were important to you before don't matter. They may matter, but they're way, way, way down the list compared to taking care of this new life.
1: What would you say is one of the biggest lessons that I have taught you, not general children, not your children, me, Emily? (laughs)
0: <laughs> one of the things one of the things that you taught me and you continue to teach me and you will continue to teach me is how to be a good podcaster because That's true. we have a podcast coming up here at BAM starting in starting this fall, I think.
1: Look at dad so, using Hurdle as a promo tool for his own <laughs> agenda.
0: Yeah. So maybe I'll announce the name of the podcast on Hurdle. Not wow. today. Not today. Oh. We're not ready. So this is a tease. So <laughs> this is a tease. Podcasting one oh one from Emily Abadi. I've been through The tutorial, I've been presented with the PowerPoint. It's true. uh, you're providing us with some really, really good tools to be successful.
1: Thanks, Dad. Okay. What has been one of your proudest moments as my dad?
0: As your dad? Yeah. As a dad? Watching you and your brother graduate from UConn was really, really a proud moment. You know, in our family, I was the first college graduate. So we always want something bigger and better for our kids, you know, every generation better than the one before. And that was, that was huge. Um, you know, I have the uh, ability here to reflect back and think about some of the things that mom said when you interviewed her. And I think she mentioned something called the Barnum Festival, which is a regional festival here in the greater Bridgeport area in Connecticut that celebrates the heritage and the traditions of PT Barnum. And Emily, um, was in the what they call the royal family and in that role how old were you about 11 11 years old had to get up in front of hundreds of people and and uh, you know kind of talk to them and address them and talk to them about the festival and not only did that eloquently but did it in two languages at 11 years old so that was a, that was a big that was a big deal
1: wow tbt yeah public speaking from a young age how do you think people describe you
0: professionally, hardworking, creative, focused. Oh, someone would disagree with that. But driven to succeed and personally loving, empathetic, caring, a good cook. Wow. (laughs) And uh, a hell of a good pizza maker.
1: The competition in the Abadi family is real. Do you think you expressed how people describe you? Would you say that you live that out All the time in that, like, and I always ask people this, but if you walked into a room today, I actually feel like you are very much the way that you just described, which is great. But if you were to walk into a room right now and you would be with like a group of five to 10 people for 10 to 15 minutes, when you left that room, do you think that they would describe yourself how you just described yourself?
0: Yeah. If it's people that I had never met before, I think they'd have more questions. But people that I network with on a regular basis, I think, see me in, in that way.
1: Is there anything I- you wish that you had told your parents that you haven't? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean,
0: my you know, dad's been gone for a while and, you know, I wish I told him I loved him more, but I told him I loved him a lot, but you can never express how much love you have for a parent. So I wish I told him that more. And I'm blessed that that my mom is is still with me. And we never ever end a conversation without saying I love you.
1: Do you have a favorite Emily memory? <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of my favorite Emily memories was running a 5K race with you. Good memory. Yeah, our job was to bring up the rear of the race and hang out with the cop at the end of the race.
1: But we've run we, more 5K since then.
0: We did, but that one was just memorable because not because of the successes we had. The success wasn't at the front of the pack. The success was cr- that we crossed the finish line. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that I remember. And we've run others. We run the Fairfield uh, race a couple of times, I believe and mm-hmm. and that you know, that's that was a those were great great memories. Great race that begins and ends on a beach. How do you not love that?
1: How do you not love that? I think one of my, I have a few favorite dad memories. One of them was after my last breakup when you came into the city and we went to Tommy Bahama and had like three martinis. (laughs) We had the martinis there, and then we had a dinner reservation near Union Square. And the goal for all of this was to do it on the earlier side, so that you could get back to Connecticut. I think you must have gotten in early, like at like four or four thirty. So happy hour was from like four to six. Dinner was at like six fifteen. Before dinner, we decided to rampage the store in New York because Dad wanted these oh specific my God. pants
0: the poor people who work there, we, we go into this men's clothing store and <laughs> totally we're rambling on. And I'm, I'm trying stuff on in the dressing room. All of a sudden, like three days later, this big box wines comes up to my house. <laughs> you know, UPS goes, do you order all this? I, said, I don't remember doing it.
1: I don't remember ordering all this. But the, poor guy, then- the poor guy, the
0: poor guy.
1: <laughs> that poor guy, that poor guy. And the designer was like in the store helping us out like one yeah. on one. Yeah. And then because dad like had to catch a train at like 715. I think I want to see like the bachelorette or something was on. So I had a plan to go to my best friend from college's house in the West Village. And I told her that I would bring wine. I am slammed like I should not be buying more wine. But dad carefully walks me into the liquor store before putting me in a cab and him getting in a cab to go back to Grand Central so that I didn't show up empty handed to my friend's house. And then, of course, made me call him as soon as I got into my friend's house.
0: I remember that wine shopping expedition. Yeah, this is good. Oh. Just take this one.
1: <laughs> this I'll one is this a one nice one label. <laughs> Oh my god. Definitely that a was a good. Trip. That was a good time. I think the best nights with both friends and family for me are ones that have like a loose plan that evolves into something even better than you maybe anticipated for it.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, kind of just flying without a flight plan, if you will. And we still we're still blessed to be able to have some of those things. You know, my mom Emily's grandma lives out on the East End of Long Island and and we tend to gravitate to that area for For holidays and you know some summer family dinners and things like that and it's always loose and and we're cracking lobster shelves around the table or something and drinking a lot of wine it's fun time
1: what are your hopes for me
0: happiness in whatever role it is that you feel fulfilled it's it's very general it's gratifying to me uh, to see you succeed professionally doing what you want hurdle has grown, I think beyond what you thought it would ever be. I get joy from seeing you be successful in it as well as in your uh, writing endeavors. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I just want you to be happy. That's all. Yeah.
1: Want me to be happy. What would you say reflecting on me being an entrepreneur? What would you say has been One of your proudest moments of me as an entrepreneur?
0: I think the the way, I mean, anyone can start a business and and almost anyone does. But watching the way that you handle your business with an eye on long term success is, is really to be commended. Trademark issues. Copyrights, not just throwing something together to get it going, but really doing the homework and and, and putting your, your business together the right way. It goes back to the way grandpa would build furniture, that story, you know, starting yeah. with great raw materials and and building something that's gonna stand the test of time.
1: What advice do you have for me when it comes to this new chapter that I'm in here in Brooklyn?
0: I don't know if it's a new chapter. I know it's a new house, a new place to live, but it's still you. You're doing what you were doing before. You can spread out a little bit more. You have a studio you have color-coded books on the shelf behind you, all these things that you didn't have room for before. So if that's a new chapter professionally, I acknowledge that. Personally, I don't think that you're going to change because you're in Brooklyn instead of Manhattan. I think you'll change Brooklyn. They have no idea what they're up against.
1: (laughs) When you think about your values, what, comes to mind?
0: My values. You know, right now, um, going through a period here, if, if I was to swing this bo- this camera around, you'd see lots of boxes and furniture and this room has six lamps in it right now. Um, <laughs> and that's because my girlfriend and I are now uh, living together. So her stuff is here and my stuff is here. And during this process, we have discovered that we have a lot, of, a lot to give away. So it's really kind of cool to be able to take perfectly good stuff and bring it to the veterans or Habitat for Humanity or the people at Goodwill, because they need this stuff a lot more than we need this stuff. So that's gratifying to be able to help others out.
1: Generosity.
0: Generosity sparked by necessity, I guess.
1: But still, generosity. Yeah.
0: You know, right now, we're trying to put put, you know, six thousand square feet worth of stuff in three thousand square feet of house.
1: Wow, yeah. three thousand square feet so of house. That's the spot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much room for activities. <laughs> so much room. Oh, it's just we could just you know play tennis, galavan
1: through the house. Well, I mean, that's not to even to, to count the backyard here. Okay, so we're starting to wind down our conversation, Dad. When you think about being a father, reflecting because it is Father's Day uh, week here, what would you say is something you are looking forward to in your fatherhood journey still?
0: Grandfatherhood, Grandfatherhood.
1: eventually. <laughs> that would be nice.
0: You know, a lot of our friends have, have grandkids. And you know, as, I think as much as becoming... Uh, a father changes your life. I think becoming a grandfather does that too. And I'm, I was blessed to have two great dads that were, that were role models and, and taught me a lot about fatherhood. I'm also looking forward to more great family time. That was kind of stolen from us last year. And I don't want to wait to get it back. You know, I feel like to a certain extent... As a father and as a uh, member of a family, we're making up for lost time. So, you know, I get to see my mom this weekend, and that's a treat. And, you know, oh wow moment. We get to go to Kathy's mom's wedding this weekend. That's kind of a kick in the pants. That's something we're looking forward to. And then, you know, Christmas Eve dinners and Thanksgivings and things like that. Always always a, a favorite of mine, always a family favorite. So many, many more of those.
1: What's your hurdle moment?
0: I don't know. I mean Shit, how me have hurdle, you never
1: thought but, about this before?
0: But to, to me, hurdle moments are, are career moments and professional moments. Okay. I mean, just getting through last year was a major one. Leaving a job and to start a business is a real big one.
1: What about when your father passed away?
0: That's not a hurdle. That's Death Valley. Yeah, that's that's a hurdle you never clear. So I have a picture of grandpa in the kitchen that I it's strategically positioned. So when I go get my stuff to go to work. I I work at home now, but every morning I have to go to where this picture is. And I always say hi to him. And he always, you know, gives me a pat on the back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's special.
0: It tells me to do good.
1: tells you to do good. All right, Bob, we're winding down here. If you could offer me a piece of advice as I continue on here as an entrepreneur, as your daughter, just going forward in life, what would your piece of advice be for me?
0: Be true to yourself. Success is measured in happiness and smiles and not in your bank balance, although you and I can talk about that stuff offline. (laughs) Just... Do what you want to do, not what someone else wants you to do. The expectations that you have to meet in life are the ones that you set, not the ones that anyone else sets. And I think that you're just killing it. You're knocking it out of the park. And it makes me very, very happy to be your dad.
1: Thanks, Dad. This isn't the conventional last question here, but you have an opportunity right now to offer the hurdlers one last piece of advice, getting over their hurdles. You have the opportunity to be everyone's stand-in dad for this moment right now. What do you tell them?
0: Look in the mirror. Are you happy with what you see? If not, find a dream, figure out how to give it some wings and make it real. Your audience is younger rather than older. This is the time to make shit happen. This is the time. Right now. Go make it happen.
1: Find that hurdle and conquer it country. <laughs> oh, dad, what a gem. I know you're not ready to announce your new podcast plans here on the show yet, but please make sure to reach out to me when you are and we'll give it some airtime. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Some of them already do.
0: Many them. of them already do. I love you guys. I love you hurdlers. <laughs> and yeah. you you love Bam Bam Bob. So you, you, you see me lurking in the background commenting on Emily's content all the time. So... If you if you follow me, I'll follow you back.
1: Love you guys. Bye. Over on Instagram at Bam Bam Bob, I'm over on Instagram at Hurdle Podcast at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.